With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, everyone. Hello. It's GigPod episode 139. And we have some good news for you. And we have some bad news for you. So we'll start with the bad news. It's myself, Stevie and Rizzo. And we're going to be talking about another defeat in the Champions League. The good news, however, is this is the last of this series. And I don't think I just speak for myself when I say that we cannot wait to put this behind us, this entire series, this campaign, everything about the Champions League, honestly. Rizzo. I was stuck in traffic for the first 25 minutes of the game, listening on the radio, and I made it home in time to see he's 2-0 down, and I was settled with my dinner for Joseph Juranovic missing that penalty. But I just need to ask you, did I miss anything riveting before that? Eh, not really, you did. Mi- eh, first of all, hello to the listeners. You missed Celtic missing a good chance as ever, Kyogo missing a good chance as ever in the Champions League. You missed the two penalties, as you say, one was apparently, I think the saying one was a harsh decision. And then, really, after JJ missed a penalty, that was our last chance of getting out of the game. So, thank goodness the Champions League's finished. Usually, we talk about the lineup and is it a team we expect? It didn't matter what team we put out. I think we were on a hiding to nothing anyway. It was one of the games where you just knew before it we were getting beaten. You know, I was speaking to my uncle and my grand about this and how you know Celtic have been horsed in Europe um, in recent years. And you're like myself, similar age. You know, when we were growing up, despite how bad Celtic were domestically, you know, when it came to Europe and competing in Europe, Celtic were never really horsed. I think the worst I ever saw. I think also there was, a, there was that Noichu Zamax game. I was I was quite young then. North Monko, obviously, my granddad talked about that. But I think the worst I ever saw was um, maybe a three 0 defeat against Porto, Shakhtar gubbed us in 2004, and that was a shock of their performance, that was like three get on six, but there's never any horses, but before this game, I did say, you know, it's going to end up like three or four get into that, and 
it's almost like we've just normalised getting into these games and getting a doing. But a lot like the first game, John, when I said no matter what against Real Madrid, Celtic weren't going to be judged on that performance and the result from it. And getting into this game, I don't want to say it was a free hit because I don't want to ever go into that type of match thinking, you know, Celtic are just wee minnows. But you've also got to be realistic. And me and you did say before it, no matter who the manager picks, whether he plays Hitati, Moy, or starts Abogard, we always thought we were going to get battered. And that's what happened, really, didn't it? Yeah, and it was always going to happen, really. But we never had a chance last night. And we weren't really helped, of course, but the fact that Madrid decided to play a strong team when they had sort of fielded weakened teams in the last two games, but that's just the way it happens. And no, we're never really going to do anything. And I mean, we've not really started getting hammered in Europe. I'd say the worst results are getting hammered in Europe. I mean, by a team like PSG cause, or Barcelona, because that can always happen because they are like, they are top, top level. I think Celtic's real bad results in Europe have been against teams like Kluge or Copenhagen or even Shakhtar to an extent. That season, teams that Celtic should be beaten, or we think we should be beaten, but we cock it up as usual. I think they are the real bad results for Celtic and that's why Celtic aren't progressing in Europe because we can't, we can't beat the teams we're not supposed to beat, like Barcelona, PSG, Real Madrid this season. But we can't beat the teams we are supposed to beat either. And that's not just a problem for Ange, it's been a problem for years, but it's continuing under Ange. And I haven't really been impressed at all with how we've played in Europe under Ange's last two seasons. I'm deeply embarrassed to say that I think that uh, our old pal Lenny's done better in Europe than him. And then, okay, he said they play tougher teams this season anyway and Lenny did fuck it up against Copenhagen two, uh, three seasons ago I think it was but I mean I've seen people saying like keep trusting the process under Ange and we'll get better with better players but we won't. it won't change the system we've talked about this ad nauseum and we're just conceding the midfielder in every game by not playing a defensive midfielder I mean I feel bad for Matt O'Reilly he's no defensive midfielder and he's playing there, and as long as we keep doing that, that record in Europe isn't going to change. So, I mean, I knew last night was going to be a, a hammering than it was, and I can't believe like, I'm saying this, but I'm glad that the Champions League's finished. I know when we won the league, I was like, yes, the Champions League, this is going to be amazing. Which just turned out to be absolutely rubbish, and I've said it on Twitter, I've said it on here, I'll say it again, I have hated every single minute of this Champions League campaign. We've either been rubbish or naive or made a complete mess of it when we had a chance to win like against Shakhtar. I've hated it all and I know the European I think the listeners must hate these European podcasts as well because every single one of them has been doing depressing but that's what the performances have been like apart from Shakhtar away and that ended up being more annoying than anything because we blew it when we really should have won but no last night was always going to be a heavy defeat and I'm just happy it was 5-1 and we did manage to score a goal but I mean that's just scant consolation, really. Who knows, John? Maybe we build on these two points for next season. But as I keep saying, we might not have these players next season who, guys like Rio Hitati, guys like Matt O'Reilly, who have been fairly okay for us and stood up at times in this Champions League group stage, they might not be here. CCV, you know, you don't know if they're going to be with us next season. I don't know if they've got long contracts, but I mean, other teams are eventually going to be coming in for our best players. You've got to expect that. So we don't know what kind of team we'll have in the summer. I really do hope we keep uh, you know, the strongest spine possible, though. 
guys like CCV have got to be retained, Jota, McGregor, and we can build on that. Um, you know, we'll talk about a change of goalkeeper maybe later on in the pod as well, but it wasn't helped by the fact that we made the start that we did now. I think having listened to it on the radio and you were texting me when I was on my way to watch the game and I got in at like um, 25 minutes or something, didn't I? I know, having watched it all again, that the Gens one was a definite handball. I can't argue with that. Now, that one, though, for the second penalty was just ridiculous. I can't get my head around why that was given, and I know right away that you're going to have pretty much fans of every other team in Scotland laughing at that, saying it was a stonewaller, or because you know it was Celtic were involved, and of course everybody in Scotland hates us. But I just can't get my head around that. If the shot was going in target, then fair enough. You know, that was it was hitting the corner flag or something. And even Steve McManaman, who came out and went as a joke, Stuart Armstrong said it as well um, on BT Sport. And John, you've already got a hard enough task against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, the biggest football club in the world. When a big decision like that goes against you, you're like, what's the point really? Yeah? I didn't think it was a great decision. I didn't think the referee was very good. But I was thinking, I actually had a thought. I mean, see if that wasn't a real. I mean, see if that was a player that was more sort of suited for his role, maybe he wouldn't have, like, automatically sort of put his arm out if he'd been playing in his right, if he'd been playing his right position. Maybe if that was, ab- I don't know if that's just me thinking this because the manager's decision-making regarding O'Reilly is driving me up the wall. But maybe if, uh, maybe Abelgard or even Moy, the slow coach, maybe they, they'd sort of have, they'd have thought a wee bit more about that. Maybe just because they, would be more used to playing in that role where Matt O'Reilly ended up. Matt O'Reilly shouldn't have been back there because Matt O'Reilly shouldn't be a defensive midfielder. And I, I want to talk about this because it's really, I think it's a terrible, terrible decision and I feel bad for him. I really have no idea why I just done it. And people say, no, okay, it's worked because we've done well domestically. But... I just don't understand it at all. I really cannot see for the life of me why Ange has moved a guy who played his best football for us, scoring plenty of goals last season, playing further forward. Why he's moved him into a sort of defensive slash central midfield mode. It'd be like if Celtic decided to do that under Craig Bully, with Craig Bull under John Barnes. Maybe that was the reason he was in that position. He sort of put his arm in the way for a harsh handball. But I think we're sort of... This might sound strong, but I think we're sort of ruining Matt O'Reilly by playing him there. And as soon as McGregor's fit, he has to go back to his normal position. And Aaron Moy, who I know you've defended a lot, I'd, I'd drop him because he's that slow. I think a tortoise could beat him in a race. But I thought it was a poor decision, but it just got me thinking again about Matt O'Reilly. And I really, I can't see for the life of me why Ange is doing this. And, I, I'm, and before people start moaning, we praise Ange non-stop in this pod to the heavens especially when we won the league, and most weeks this season. But it's just beyond me why he's doing this and why he continues to do it. And if he's, and if O'Reilly starts against Dungeon United on Saturday, I'd even th- in that position, I'd even think of Borrell looking for a stream because it's just it's crazy to me. I use bemused about this as me because it's just, I kind of go over it. In defence of Matt O'Reilly, he's a fantastic passer and when he plays a bit deeper, he can pick out some excellent runs. Like, for example, that pass he made for Jota against Rangers. I mean, that was just different class, and he's capable of that. But at that level, we spend so much time chasing the ball that we don't get the ball enough, and it's few and far between when it comes to those moments where you can take apart a team like Real Madrid or take apart a team like Leipzig 
in the blink of an eye, it's not going to happen. He doesn't get anywhere near the time like he does domestically to pick those passes. And in the end, you just see guys like Alaba or Militao or even Cruz and Modric sort of knowing exactly where he's going to pass the ball. And, you know, he's not getting any options because guys like Maeda, Kyogo and Abada, you know, they were just marshaled so well by Carvajal and Mendy last night that there wasn't a lot of options when he did have the ball. I think playing him there in Europe has been a mistake. But at the same time, I don't think Matt O'Reilly's been anywhere near one of our worst performers in this campaign. And like you, I wouldn't say I've hated every single minute of it, but I haven't enjoyed it. There's been some good wee moments, but I've just not enjoyed it at all. And I put out a tweet in GigPod where it's mad, John. Statistically, we have one point less than that terrible 13-14 season. But that Champions League campaign was still, to this day, the most unenjoyable for me ever as a Celtic fan, way worse than this one. And we've, we've talked about that, how that was a Celtic team on its knees, you know, needed to be ripped up and rebuilt again, whereas this Celtic team are hopefully going to be able to learn from this and move forward. But like you, I don't know if that's going to happen simply because the manager's going to play the exact same way and he's going to need far better players to execute that game plan, John. And I don't know if we'll get the players in that he's hoping will be able to perfect that style of football, especially in the Champions League. And not only that, you're up against top, top sides and good managers. It's all right to say Ange can play the same way constant in Scotland because we've got players, you know, that are just better than pretty much every other team in the league. But if we're up against, you know, next season, like talking sake here, Benfica, a Dortmund, a Man City, a Chelsea or Sunday, you know, they are full of elite scouts, you know, the best in the biz when it comes to football club management. And they'll be able to see that we'll be playing the exact same way. They'll be able to tell what our system's like in possession, out of possession, what our defensive shape is like, what our structure's like, John. And they'll be able to see through it. And I honestly do think we're going to keep making the same mistakes all the time because we're just not tested enough at an elite level other than these six games compared to a lot of other teams in Europe. But that is just me. Um... A lot of people probably disagree with that. I know that a lot of people have disagreed with our podcast in general. I think it's okay to be realistic. It's okay to add your concerns like that. And that is my main one, where no matter what, when people say, we'll learn, we'll learn, we'll learn, where's the evidence of that? Because last season in the Europa League, I was happy to, I wouldn't say write it off, but I knew there was going to be mistakes along the way. And, you know, we can hold on to Leeds and Leverkusen, give away cheap goals, the Bodo disaster, stuff like that. But I just thought, yep, okay. Maybe we won't make, repeat them in the Champions League. You know, the only positives I would say is the fact that we've created a lot of opportunities and we've just not been clinical enough. But the big main problem for me is that midfield teams just steamroller through us, John, and elite teams will continue just to punish us at that level and they'll know exactly how we play. And that is what I do worry about. But I guess we can only cross that bridge when you come to it if we hopefully are in this position again next season. I just want to say one more thing about it. There's nothing wrong with playing defensive-minded football, especially against the elite teams. I mean, look at that Celtic team. I know this is going back a bit, but look at that Celtic team in 2004 when we were doing it on the Barcelona. That had guys like Hendrik Larson, Chris Sutton, Alan Thompson, and brilliant Italian players, but we still sort of knuckled down and get one of the best results we've had in European history. And that's the last time we won a, a, last, a knockout tie in the knockout rounds in Europe. There's nothing wrong with playing that sort of football. But I think Ange seems to think there is, and Look, you I share the same worries that next season it'll be the exact same thing. The fact that we're, we're no intending to sort of play any sort of defensive midfielder is just crazy. I mean, we can do it at home, but, but there's no way we can do it 
in Europe. And I mean, even like with, with last night, the fact that we're flinging so many players forward at corners all the time and Real can easily hit us in the break. We should have learned that lesson, but now that that's just going to keep biting us. And it has been. And I really don't think there'll be a much difference next season if we hope we do get in the Champions League. I think the same thing will happen. And I think Andrew got a lot of criticism if that does happen. That'll be a shame, but that'll be three years and there won't be that much change in the way we're playing Europe. And I really think we need to, but it won't. So we'll just need to deal with it when the time comes. Just a very quick word on the referee and this mad era that we live in now. I had to delete a tweet last night for criticising the ref um, because people were starting to get up in arms and fling in the gender and fling in all that crap when it's nothing to do with the fact that it was a woman ref. It was just the fact that it was poor decisions being made from a referee when Matt O'Reilly won the ball fair and square at one point late in the first half. It could have led to a goal from us. It was not long after the penalty miss from Juranovic and amazingly the referee blew the whistle uh, for a foul against Real Madrid. Kyogo also got booked for nothing as well. I just felt as if there was so much pandering being done to them and it was a pretty bad referee performance. No, we didn't lose the game because of a referee but I just found it incredible that there was all this talk about who the referee was before the game and the performance was just abysmal in my opinion and then you know when you go to commentate or say something about it it's you know like you're the big baddie all because of the gender involved when you're not even bringing up the gender you're just talking about the rest performance in general but but a mad world we live in now isn't it John? Thank you tears for feels <laughs> yeah uh, the referee wasn't very good I have to say uh, and we want good referees whether they're men or women as long as they're good and unfortunately, in the Champions League, we seem to very rarely have good referees. I mean, that is, I don't want to make a sort of Steven Gerrard-esque excuse about referees, but we never usually get good referees in the Champions League. I don't know why. And no, she wasn't very good. And I think she probably gave most of the big decisions to Real Madrid because they're Real Madrid and they're the big team and they'll probably think we're a daddy team in comparison. And unfortunately, we are. But no, she wasn't very good. But now we can move on to... Talking about some of the players, and uh, there's a player in particular that we should talk about, a guy that you loved, and now you don't like him anymore, well, not as much, and that is JJ. So, Steve, explain why you don't love JJ like you used to. You even get a picture took with him and everything. See if that happened again, would you get your picture took with him now, or would you Would you say you don't want one took? Only if it was at the airport. <laughs> yes, well, talk about JJ. Listen, I want to see every Celtic player succeed, whether you know I'll like them as footballers or whether they frustrate me or not. I really want to see every Celtic player do well, and JJ was fantastic last season, especially in the second half of the season, and he was such a big part of his winning the league. He was a stable and calming influence, especially in really tense games for us last season. But Juranovic, this Champions League campaign. Now, what I will say is, oh, you know, he's been up against Vinicius Junior, Midrick, and Timo Werner who are, you know, not three duds at all. Midrich and uh, Vinicius Junior are probably two of the best wide players in world football and now. But a lot of the goals that, you know, we've conceded in this Champions League, JJ has been culpable for them. I think his general performance, he's just looked completely out of sorts. His body language this season, he's seemed like he hasn't wanted to be here. I know that there was all this talk about him in the summer and his agent going to Fabrizio Romano and saying how, you know, Juranovic was wanting away at some point. It was linked with Man United. Seems like he's been cursed with us ever since those brilliant performances that he had in the Nations League, wasn't it, for Croatia? I think it was in, like, the end of June or something. 
and he put in some brilliant performances, I think, against Denmark and France especially. And ever since then, you know, for Celtic, he's just been... Okay. There's never been a game where I think he's stood out as one of our best performers. He's just been okay at best, but very underwhelming. And I put a tweet last night just, you know, just saying, I don't know what's getting him this season. And genuinely think he'll be off after the World Cup. That's just my gut sort of instinct on it. I don't know what you feel about it, but certainly Juranovic in this Champions League campaign. The, the three players that I was hoping, uh, I was expecting to really light it up for us, was Jota, Hatati, and Juranovic. I think Jota has been one of our best performers, and that was a fantastic goal last night. Hatati stood up to be counted, and he's been involved in some brilliant moments I play for us too. Juranovic, when I'm thinking about moments he's contributed, he put in a good ball for Maeda against Real Madrid in the first game. Put in another good ball for Maeda against Shakhtar near the end when uh, Maeda missed again. But I'm struggling to think of anything other than that. He's been extremely ordinary. And the real thing is you'll watch him probably for Croatia in the next couple of weeks and he will be surrounded by obviously much superior players than what he plays with at Celtic. He will probably play in a more rigid and structured system. But or certainly without the ball, but with the ball, he'll be able to break because he'll probably have adequate adequate cover. And he'll have just generally better players to like aim for in the box and link up with. So I have no doubt at all that he'll go on to have a good World Cup for Croatia. That's just how these things usually work, isn't it? But nah, for Celtic, John, I can't ignore it just because I like the guy. He's been pretty poor. Uh, I think him and Kyogo have been the biggest letdowns. We'll talk about Kyogo, maybe Joe Hart to an extent, but then he's a guy that's coming towards the end of his career and... Maybe no surprise, he's not as good as he once was. But, no, I mean, I agree with you. It wouldn't shock me if JJ left in January and if we get a, a big bid, like over 10 million, 10 to 15 million, I'd be inclined to accept it. And, I mean, probably in his head, he is thinking about the World Cup and you really can't blame him. I mean, you can't blame any players like that. Although, I mean, I don't think Dyson would do that because I think he's just the sort of guy that knocks his pan in every game. But no, I think it'd be for the best if he leaves. And I just want to say about Kyogo as well. I mean, I, I, I just kind of got over the amount of misses that he's had in this in this Champions League campaign. He's really been disappointing. I mean, he's still a good player, and I think he'll score plenty of goals domestically. But I'm slightly concerned that in the very big games, he might not be the man for us. I can think only one like really big game where he sort of stood up and won it for us, and that was a League Cup final against Hibs. Like every time against Rangers, he's either not played well or he's hardly featured. In this Champions League, I thought it was really, really poor. He had so many chances, missed so many setters. Even that chance last night, he still left it for a bad, but he had a weak effort on goal. And I'm not sure if he's a playable thought it was going to be. I mean, I'm sure he'll still score at 20 goals, 25 goals a season if he's fit, but I don't think he's a player that can take us to the next level and... I would hope that if we're back in the Champions League next season, we're going to be sent, we're going to have a new striker to maybe go alongside uh, Kyogo and Gigi, but he's been really disappointing for me. I suppose we better mention a positive because we've been doom and gloom non-stop. Carl Starfield was back last night against Real Madrid, and I thought he was excellent. It was his first game since he got injured against Rangers back in September. And he stood up to everything he was counted for, I think, and maybe because we've done a wee bit better with a fourth goal, but we consider it's the first game that him and Morris Jens have played together, and everybody was in a sort of panic because CCV was ruled out. I thought Carl Starfield was excellent, and I think people have forgotten just how good a player he is because he's missed so much football this season because he was injured at the start of the season, of course. 
But I thought Starfield was excellent, and hopefully CCB's back soon as well, and they can reform that partnership because they are by far the best two defenders at Celtic and were a so much better team when it's they two together. Maybe we would have done better in the Champions League if they two were together. Who knows? But I thought Carl Starfield was absolutely excellent for us. I agree with you there, John. We were speaking about it during the game and Starfield had a very good display, I thought. Um, I thought Maeda in the first half was excellent as well and created two great opportunities for Kyogo, who really should have done better with the first one. And shout out too to Jota. If we can talk about that as the final positive, John. What a great free kick. I mean, yeah, I know everybody. The cynics were laughing and sneering at the fact that he celebrated, but John, it was a great strike past one of the best goalies in the world at the Bernabeu, and he's well entitled to enjoy that one because it was a fantastic goal with Jota. And I think that's their first free kick goal since David Tumble against Hibs in the COVID season. Goodness sake, but didn't he score a single free kick last season? That's unbelievable. No, I mean, good old, good on Jota. He doesn't deserve to get criticised for celebrating. I mean, he might never play at the Bernabeu again. But I mean, hopefully he does in his career. Hopefully it's for Celtic next season. But no, he's right to celebrate. And it was a brilliant goal. And I think he should probably take a free kick for new one. And maybe even our penalties as well, in fact, there you go. But no, I thought it was an excellent goal by Jota. He's been probably, if you think about it, our best player. And the Champions League, just a pity that he missed two of the games. Two of the big games as well through injury. But he scored two goals and he is such a good player. And it's just a pity that the goal didn't really matter much. But he's got a right to celebrate. It was an excellent goal and probably one of our best ever goals in the Champions League. No one cares about what I thought was the best moment the worst moment and if we've learned anything. So I'm going to put you in the spot. Now, in this Champions League group stage campaign, what was the best moment for you involving Celtic? God, a best moment? There's not a lot to choose from. I suppose... Uh, I suppose, like, when we made our, our first entrance and the, the players came out on the pitch against Real Madrid and the crowd were going mad and the music was playing and you thought, finally, Celica are back where we belong in the big stage in the Champions League. And it's just a pity that we never really kicked on for there. So that's my best moment. The players lining up against Real Madrid as the Champions League saw Anthem played and the crowd were creating a cauldron of noise. Right, John, very briefly here. What's been the worst moment? Oh, probably the sitters we missed at the end of the Shakhtar game. Uh, with that one, that chance that Gigi missed when he curled it by the post in the last couple of minutes, when it looked so much easier to score and they somehow missed it. And I think I went mad and punched my cushion that was beside me in frustration. So that's that's the worst <laughs> Gigi missing that sitter against Shakhtar that would have won as the game. All right, thanks for that, Tyson. Now, what have we learned? Anything at all? Be brief. We've learned that we need to buy a proper defensive midfielder and play him in the Champions League. And if we don't do that, the same thing will happen next season. So that's what I hope we've learned. Who knows if we really have, though. Right, John. Let's end episode 139 with a good old-fashioned shoot prediction before your outro. On Saturday, I'm going to say we'll beat Dundee United, who are woefully out of form. And I reckon we'll beat them. Who know? What do you say? I think it'll be 3 0, and I think we might even see a start for uh, Oliver Abodgard. That's uh, that's one for the books. So, yep, 3 0 Celtic, I'm going for. So, that's it. Episode 139 is done and dusted, and that is it for the Champions League reviews. Now, myself and John have been criticised, amazingly enough, just for being 
well, I don't know if people have been saying or been doom and gloom about these matches, but we're not going to try and patronise the listeners and you know dress these up as anything other than disappointing because I don't think either it is, no matter what, want to turn or see Celtic turned into this glorious failure team. It's you know it's a reason, John, why Celtic are such a successful team and why we're winners because we don't go down the Scotland route or the losers route of a uh, glorifying failure. Same time, we've got to be realistic and we can only hope to build on it. Sorry to everybody if, you know, we have came across as a couple of miserable guys, but you're not going to get that on Saturday when, no doubt, we're back to talking about Celtic being brilliant domestically on a quest to win another league title. So, John, give me your closing thoughts before your outro and take it away. Yes, we're sorry that the podcast have been a bit doom and gloom in the Champions League, but as Steve says, we're just being honest and hopefully in the last ones we do before the World Cup break, well, we can talk more about the positive side of Celtic and some good domestic ones. I mean, it's not as good as we're in the Champions League, but that's what Celtic need to do anyway. Right, so thanks to Stevie and thanks to all our loyal listeners for putting up with us in these Champions League uh, reviews. You can find us on all the usual podcast platforms and you know where. You can leave us good reviews. Tell us how you've enjoyed these Champions League episodes, leave us five stars, etc, etc. You can follow Stevie on Instagram and Twitter at GigPod. We'll be back next week and we'll speak to you all soon. Hail, hail. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.